Case file number 3.12. Power to Ukraine. Observed by Agent Crenshaw. Subject 1, alias Hackalope. Subject has a history of working in computer security for over 20 years. He has been observed to several Fortune 500 companies and federal agencies during that period. He has been amassing historical information related to espionage and covert action as well as corporate malfeasance. Subject 2, alias Emir. Subject has a history of working in computer security for the last 10 years. He has been observed at NASA facilities regularly. We've also tracked him to the gym where he seems to be bodybuilding. We are amassing evidence to charge him with felony for skipping leg day and curls on the squat rack. Subjects are suspected of having information related to hacking the Gibson. Uh, the accounting subject of the Gibson's working really hard. I think we got a hacker. So today's episode is actually kind of Christmassy based. Is it about Die Hard? Oh, that's the best Christmas movie ever. But sadly, it is not. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But no, uh, today's is about the Ukrainian attack. Oh. Yeah, the power grid one. This happened uh, two days before uh, Christmas of 2015. And this this affected the control centers for three Ukrainian electricity distribution companies. Uh, all three were remotely accessed by um, the attackers at the time. Oh. And I think we've we've done, I know we did the Stuxnet episode. Have we done other episodes about SCADA controllers? I feel like we've talked about them. Well, I mean, it came up when we were talking about the Colonial Pipeline, definitely. Mm, that's right, yeah. I mean, that's the one I specifically remember. But, I mean, SCADA's been an area that everybody's been worried about for a long time because the SCADA, the entire SCADA system is barely networked, uh, let alone has any authentication in it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're like, hey, let's throw this on the internet to let people remote into it, but not do anything else. Yeah, well, I mean, when the protocol was conceived, it was for very low-level controllers, and it there was no authentication because it was all assumed local net static um, assignment. It was when folks forgot that that's how it worked and made segments like that publicly accessible or controller systems that had basically no security on them or right. rudimentary security on them public on the internet because as we've covered before people scan the internet yeah yeah exactly yeah so this what this involved uh the SCADA systems of these uh um electricity depots in ukraine mm -hmm. they were compromised and the attackers opened up breakers at 30 or more distribution substations in the capital city of kiev and the western uh ivano frankvisk uh, region. Mm -hmm. This caused about 200,000 customers to all lose power uh, when this happened. Mm -hmm. And the attackers uh, actually even launched a denial of service against the call center when this was going on. So the customers couldn't call in to report that there were outages or anything going on. A way to think ahead. Bastards. <laughs> yeah, pretty correct. As I was doing the research in this, it, the first few articles that came out were like, hey, this is what happened. These are the facts. And then like two years later, it was kind of more like, hey, they're was probably way more thought put into this than like we initially like reported on and like holy crap this is this is really interesting kind of dangerous like the amount of uh work and planning that went into this attack yeah well i mean one of the things that they talked a very a lot about in during the crimea and i knew that it went back further was this idea of hybrid warfare that is a thing that putin's russia does which is use a combination of hacking and social media propaganda and military force, mm -hmm. as well as working political corruption and stuff like that, to in concert destabilize and create openings. Right. 
we talked a little bit about maybe doing this episode at one point. Mm-hmm. And this and that's kind of what I expected to hear that 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 they were coordinated and they were hitting a lot of uh, a lot of individual things to get a larger concerted effect. Yeah, 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 exactly. So this was also reported, uh, according to the Wire article, it was the first confirmed hack to take down a power grid. Okay. So um, also around a year after this attack on December 17th of 2016, uh, a single transmission substation in uh, northern Kiev uh, lost power, probably related also to this attack. So all of these attacks took place on the tail of political revolution in Kiev, the annexation of Crimea, and uh, amid military clashes in the eastern uh, Donetsk and uh, Luhansk uh, regions. So like you were saying, like there was a bunch of crap all going on when this uh, when this attack took place. And we've since attributed these attacks, obviously, to Russia yeah. uh, and to Russian groups with association with the government. The Russian hackers had planted a unique piece of malware in the network of the uh, the grid operators. Wow. They basically started via doing phishing attacks, mm-hmm. uh, scored the credentials, and from there, you know, remoted in and uploaded all this malware. Which strongly suggests that they that they targeted persistent access there. It wasn't, oh, we found that they left their grid open. Let's mm. coordinate something around that. It was let's we've gotten into their grid. Let's let's make a, a more coordinated attack that that uses that as one of the elements. Yeah. Or maybe they targeted and they said, in order to wake this make this work, we need to target telecom and or electric uh, the um the power grid yeah yeah this, this was like kind of akin to stuxnet where it was specifically engineered to do what it did mm-hmm. and like hit them so yeah i definitely like was uh targeted specifically at them it's great to be a nation state level threat actor yeah exactly lots of funding uh so this the the power outage only lasted about an hour in a lot of areas mm-hmm Few areas, you know, were without power for much longer, but um, the operators were able to switch back on power um, relatively quickly. And so this uh, raised, you know, a big question to a lot of people doing the research on this as to why you would spend the money and time to specialize malware to attack a power grid, but only trigger it for an hour long blackout. So in 2019, uh, some new theories started coming out basically saying the state hackers had intended to cause lasting damage uh, to black out uh, Kiev and all the other uh, cities around it for weeks or months, depending on how much damage they could cause. Wow. So the, the malware in question uh, was dubbed uh, Indestroyer or Crash Override. <laughs> <laughs> Connection to uh, Hackers the Movie. Yeah. Given given the time that it came out, like I, I kind of wanted like a snappy Christmas acronym. Yeah. But sadly not. <laughs> you know, like I said, this obviously calls into similarities with things like Stuxnet and also uh, Triton. Mm-hmm. I don't think we talked about Triton, did we? Uh, I believe that Triton was one of the generations of the Crypto Locker family of malware, and that ended up being uh, part of the Crypto Locker episode. Okay, I, c- I couldn't remember. I thought it sounded familiar, but yeah, I think we covered it. I'm pretty sure it was Crypto Locker, but honestly, we've covered so many specific hmm. things. I'm not absolutely certain yeah and i'm sure that we will get comments one way or the other (laughs) yeah yeah so the hackers in the ukrainian attack um had intended possibly to cause the destruction not at the time of the blackout Mm -hmm. um but during recovery operations when the power was coming back on uh using the operator's own recovery efforts to basically um attack them okay so uh joe slovic uh a dragos analyst stated that 
quote, while this ended up being a direct dis uh, disruptive event, the tools displayed in the sequence in which they were used strongly indicate that the attacker was looking to do more damage than turning the lights off for a few hours. They were trying to create conditions that would cause physical damage to the transmission state that was targeted. I can understand that. One of the things, one things we found out during the uh, blackout in New York is if you shut off the wrong breakers at the wrong time, you can cause a cascading failure. Now, mm -hmm. all grids have had some level, some upgrades to what caused the original New York blackout back in the 60s, mm -hmm. but that power has got to go somewhere. Yeah. There is no perfect solution. <laughs> there was a blackout in the 60s? Yeah, I believe it was the 60s. Because there was another one in 2004? There was a big famous one in the, 60, in the 60s okay. that was pretty catastrophic, and it was because of a cascading failure. The big deal there was that this was back in the days of electrical electromechanical systems, mm. and there was no like computer as we think of it today. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, because I, I was in New York uh, during the, okay. the more recent one, mm -hmm. and I remember, yeah, like we, we were losing power in upstate New York too. So yeah, well, I'm just saying that 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 with all the breakers, the 200 some odd breakers that they, you said that they turned off, um, mm -hmm. it wouldn't surprise me if one of the things that came out of that was you know a cascading failure due to transmission disruption. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The the malware featured a unique ability to directly interact with electrical utilities equipment, uh, including features that could send automated rapid fire commands and four different protocols uh, used in various power utilities to open their circuit breakers and trigger massive power outages. So they were covering all their bases. Yeah, well, the funny thing about that is it sounds like like they had more interoperability than a lot of the SCADA software you could pay for at the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> sure, like some of the SCADA software engineers looked at it and they're like, huh, it's not a bad idea. Yeah, so now we're incorporating that into our library. Now we support it. Yeah. A uh, piece of the software that was somewhat forgotten was also later pointed out by uh, Dragos to appear designed to take advantage of a known vulnerability in a piece of Siemens equipment known as the Ciprotec Protective Relay. Okay. The protective relays act as an electric grid failsafe. They monitor for dangerous frequencies or uh, levels of current in the equipment and relay that back, info back to the operators. Okay. They also automatically open circuit breakers if they detect conditions that could be dangerous to potentially save the transformers, stop melting power lines, yep. or even prevent electrician workers. Yeah, that's exactly the kind of thing I was talking about. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, so the flaw in the relay, which was patched in 2015, but obviously not patched in many utility places. Yes. Just because a patch is released doesn't mean it's applied. Yep. <laughs> Uh, meant the attacker could send a single data packet to the device and put it into a sleep state intended for firmware updates, uh, rendering it useless until rebooted manually. Whoa. Yeah. So ESET noted in 2017 that the implications were that the creators of the malware may have been trying for physical damage. Mm -hmm. However, it was unclear how the feature could have actually caused uh, more lasting damage. But a uh, Dragos analysis, uh, after obtaining the Ukrainian utilities network logs from mm -hmm. a uh, quote-unquote certain government entity that would not be named, uh -huh. um, they were able to reconstruct the order of operations of the hack and able to solve that puzzle. Mm -hmm. And they, they have a full write-up on um, crash override and like um, the order operations that went on and all this stuff. That was a pretty pretty cool read. Sounds you, like a great analysis. Um, yeah, it's easy to find on the, on the web. Just pull down to read. So the first attack opened every circuit breaker in the transmission station. Uh, this triggered the power outage. An hour later, they launched a wiper component that disabled the transmission station's computers, preventing the utility staff from being able to monitor any of the station's digital systems. 
After that, the attackers used the malware's uh, SIPProtect hacking feature against four of the station's protective relays, trying to silently disable all the fail-safe devices with almost no way for the operators to detect if they were missing safeguards because they couldn't monitor anything going on. So yeah, the intention believed by the Dragos anal analysts was for the engineers to respond to the blackout by hurriedly re-energizing the station's equipment. And by doing this manually without any fail safes, they could trigger a dangerous overload of the current in the transformer power line. Wow. And that could have caused catastrophic damage and far longer disruptions to the energy transmission than only a few hours. Yeah. And could have potentially killed a bunch of people as well. Oh yeah, this is yeah. This would have been very dangerous, potentially very dangerous for the operators. It's really scary. Did did you get any information on uh on the procedure side on the Ukraine recovery team, how they managed to not trigger this catastrophic uh, condition, or do or do they just uh, just manage to do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll touch. I, I'll touch on that. Uh, oh, great! Just a second. Um, kind of like the, what went wrong because yeah. this obviously didn't happen. Right. There is a, a globalsign.com has a write up on this, and they have a video there entitled "What Happens When a Power Plant Comes Under Attack." NATO created a video. There's also a, a short clip that Wired obtained of the actual attack and it just kind of shows the, the SCADA controllers and everything that, mm -hmm. you know, you'd be monitoring and showing like how things started going down and going haywire. Pretty, pretty cool little watch. Yeah, you got to make sure that those get into the show notes, man. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously this, this all failed, mm -hmm. but it's unknown exactly why this failed. Oh, the leading theory is basically that there was a networking uh, misconfiguration the hackers made and they sent all the malicious packets to the wrong IP. Yeah. I was suspecting that it that it was going to be that that it might have been something like hmm. they didn't get perfect execution because I mean that is the nature of at least some of the stuff that we that we've seen is that there's only so much they can do with their with their um, with their software they can't perfectly replicate it and mm -hmm. let's be frank they're malware folks they don't do a ton of rigorous NASA level testing yeah <laughs> <laughs> so. Another um, theory is basically the operators turned the power back on faster than the attackers expected. Oh, so had, they had set up the order of operations, and just these guys were too much on the ball, <laughs> had too much caffeine, and you know hopped to it right away, and they were not expecting that. So by the time they were pushing out their wiper commands and like pushing out their uh, um, the relay malware, like the power was already coming back on, and yeah, you know it defeated them. So e even if this attack had hit the mark. Mm -hmm. Uh, there were also backup protection, uh, protective relays in the station that might have also stopped this disaster as well. Okay. So um, even with the major damage, though, this obviously shows a pretty disturbing tactic that wasn't seen yeah. around this time. The hackers predicted the reaction of the operator and tried to amplify the attack by using that knowledge. Yeah. So they, they basically just set up a trap and were waiting for them to respond so they could actually trigger like the full force of the uh, the attack. Yeah, and that's... The thing about power operators, I mean, in a lot of countries, it's one operator. And even here in the US where stuff is managed a little differently, you don't have multiple generation, multiple, multiple distribution networks. You have one and the privatization is basically just a logical overlay of that. Mm -hmm. Power outages are power outages. Yeah. So these physical disruptive uh, destructive attacks um, have obviously been a major concern mm -hmm. for many years. Idaho National Labs back in 2007 demonstrated that it was possible to destroy a massive 27-ton diesel generator uh, simply by sending commands to the protective relay connected to it. Wow. Yeah. Mike uh, Asante, 
he was the engineer at the time. Uh, he, he led those tests. Mm-hmm. And he told Wired in 2017 that the presence of uh, the relay in the Ukrainian attack, though it wasn't fully understood at the time, could hint to those major destructive attacks. Uh, we're going to start becoming more and more of a reality going forward. Yeah. Again, that's one of the first places my mind went. Mm. There's also a lot of speculation um, that this was a test run mm. for possibly attacking the U.S., which which is also interesting because um, what's really concerning is that the Ukrainian systems are more secure than we have in the U.S. Not not all all the systems in the U.S., but they're more secure than some of the systems in the United States. Yeah, the general problem with security in the U.S. Uh, is that because it's so it's so privatized, it's so fragmented. There isn't a comprehensive level, and unfortunately, the grid has ha- the power grid. This is the whole idea when we talk about smart grid is doing a significant tech upgrade of the entire thing. Mm. But it's all fragmented. It's not one organization, even if it was a large organization that moved slow. It's not even as simple as that. Yeah. And if they found it at the wrong place, that is a distribution connection between major metropolitan areas, then potentially they have they could cause a an outsized impact to the grid i mean i don't know as much about this as i'd like to but mm-hmm. it's the kind of thing i'd be afraid of cuz i know just enough about the amount of power that they do, that you're talking about to be truly afraid of what could go wrong yeah like you know we talked about in the colonial uh pipeline episode mm-hmm. of just like how one of these things going down can cause havoc like widespread havoc for like a large region of the U.S. Mm-hmm. And then was it like almost a year ago that Texas had? Um, yeah, it's about a year ago. And I, I don't know if they've done uh, much to upgrade that. <laughs> I've read some articles that suggest that they that um, that their patch was in their PR and not in their system. But mm-hmm. but at least even if they did deal with it, the fact is that we know that a disruption at the level that was caused in Texas, even a place as southern as Texas at the wrong time of the year, yeah. killed a non-trivial number of people. Like I believe it was it was over a hundred, right? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, we don't have the numbers in front of us, but it was mm-hmm. it was a significant number of people, and there was a fair bit of property damage that occurred because of it. Um, although that was a combination of the fact of the snow and the power outage. But yeah, like, you know, we're talking Texas in the winter, like, mm-hmm. you know, parts of Texas get fairly cold, but it, it's not like Wisconsin or even like Illinois. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But like, you know, if you yeah. blew out the power grid for the Northeast during winter, like the amount of uh, deaths and, you know, yeah, all the property damage and everything like that would be like, you know, exponential. Yeah. That stuff gets expensive fast. Yeah. Um, the Ukrainian systems had like uh they were very well segmented from the control center networks and they had a bunch of robust firewalls and this still got in that's a good lesson yeah one major issue was that there was no two-factor authentication Mm -hmm. that was required to remote access any of the SCADA network so like i was saying earlier they did a phishing campaign Mm -hmm. probably you know snagged a bunch of credentials and were able to just remote in and drop yeah the credentials were all vulnerable to replay Mm -hmm. even if you didn't have the strongest two-factor mechanism even with credentials that weren't vulnerable to replay, like SAML tokens with nonce values and stuff like that, yeah, would have been better than, oh, you've got a password, now you win. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, you know, like we were saying, I get it, working from home, mm-hmm. you know, super nice to be able to run into all these systems. 
But I also feel like there are certain systems that probably should not be able to remote into directly, like do a lot of hops using a lot of two-factor to get there. Huh. Well, I mean, the flexibility of administration makes a difference. Mm-hmm. There's a YouTuber, Tom Scott, who has a lot of interesting stuff you should know kind of things. And he was talking about one of the uses of a Boston Dynamics robots. And I know that I'm going like on a really big tangent here, <laughs> but they were, I was one of the, 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 the Nordic countries, one of, one of the, the, the Sweden, Switzerland, Denmark, where they had a power plant that was mm-hmm. in a remote area and they used a Boston Dynamic robot to actually do all of their physical checks. Interesting. But the point being like that, being able to administer remotely has mm-hmm. significant impact on the scalability of power of the power systems that we're talking about. And I think that's even more important as we move to a more distributed power grid that might not require large scale generation at like a nuclear or coal pa- coal-based power plant. Mm-hmm. The smaller the power plants you get, the less attention they might need, in which case remote administration it becomes a bigger deal. So I'm not sure that I come down on this and it's worth a lot of discussion uh, on the, Hey, everything should be air gapped as opposed to every endpoint all the way to the end controller needs to have strong authentication, strong security. Mm -hmm. So, all right, great. That works. But then some of the things you were talking about earlier about uh, how the system failure can compound. Mm -hmm. If feedback isn't in place, how do you build out, you know, a power generation or a switching station to come up in a safe way, even in the absence of communication from other nodes? Yeah, yeah. Or like, you know, in this case, like if if it wasn't a networking uh, whoopsie Mm -hmm. by the hackers, sending them to the wrong packet, and it was a question of like, these guys just brought it up faster than the hackers. malware could you know yeah slam them getting lucky is not a strategy <laughs> yeah yeah exactly but like having the people on base um running a lot of the stuff instead of remotely administrating was a plus that is a good point and if it had been a simultaneous disruption of the network and network administration stuff mm-hmm. going with the remote administration idea that i was talking about like they don't need to disrupt the actual control system nearly so much if they could just keep the operators out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And many experts cite too that the US power grid uh, doesn't have a lot of manual backup functionality, Mm -hmm. which the Ukraine did and which resulted in a much quicker response time. So another reason probably why they got things up and running so quickly Mm -hmm. because they, you know, they had that in place. If this attack had targeted the US, it could have potentially completed its process because we might not have brought things up fast enough. And if that was the reason why it failed, yeah. But who's to really know on that end? And actually October 15th of 2020 was finally when a federal grand jury in Pittsburgh uh, returned an indictment charging six hackers, uh, all of whom were residents and nationals of Russia and um, officers in uh, unit 74455 of the Russian main intelligence directorate or group. Mm -hmm. Um, They're also known as Sandworm. Yeah. So they're the same group uh, possibly being responsible for uh, not patch yet, which I know we talked about at some point. We did talk. Yeah, that was in one of the ransomware episodes. Yeah. And I don't know if we also mentioned it when we were talking about not patch yet, but they 
could have also been potentially responsible for a series of attacks intended to impact the delayed uh, 2020 Olympics in Tokyo. Oh, no, we haven't talked about that. I actually don't remember hearing about that at all. Yeah, that, that was a, like a little new thing to me that I found. I just just before the episode, I did like a little more research and found uh, this little tidbit here at the end. That's interesting. Maybe it'll take its own thing. But uh, but I mean, they all of this stuff that that affects the power grid is just scary. <laughs> yeah, there was a book or two that I like skimmed through at one point that talked about just how vulnerable we are to like a lot of grid attacks and just in general of like, you know, if we brought down certain things like, you know, how just absolutely screwed uh, we would be. Yeah, I don't I don't know how long backup generators can run for a hospital, but I assume not too long. It would. Well, I mean, it depends on how much fuel you have, but mm-hmm. the supply chain of getting electrons down um, down power grid lines is very different from getting diesel generators to hospitals. Yeah, exactly. So there was a bestseller about disruption of power grid. Uh, yeah, it was a book by Ted Koppel, uh, Lights Out. Okay. Uh, we'll put a we'll put a link to it. Um, and uh, he goes through uh, a, a lot of the possible impact stuff. I will admit that I didn't finish reading it, but <laughs> <laughs> it looked pretty good. Um, and I'd feel at least remiss not mentioning it. Yeah, yeah. But that's Crash Override in a in a nutshell. Or um, in a chestnut, given the uh, the season. <laughs> Recording notes can be found at www.hackingthegibson.online. Follow Hack the Gibbs One on Twitter to get notified of new recordings. Support the continued observation of Hacking the Gibson on Patreon.